Well, I hope, as uh, Tim shared with you, that you will take some time to read through this and realize the miracles that have happened right next door in that building. Um, we believe that, God, that our city is a better place because God placed it upon your hearts to build that building. And we are so thankful for that decision and for the miracles that have taken place over the last 11 and a half years in that building. Um, uh, you know, and as you look at even the front page here, uh, inside cover, you see where we as a church have been and the heritage that we have had. Today, we believe we were wise debtors that 11 and a half years ago to start building because we didn't want to wait for what God was going to do. And uh, even as people who were on Hunter and Lindsay Street and said, let's move here to 3535 North El Dorado Street, uh, they connected the dots and say, let's see what God is doing and take a step of faith. That's what we did with building that building. And then once again in 2009, we'll hear a little bit more about the ministry center that we purchased. We'll hear a little bit more about that next week. But uh, as I said, God has blessed in so many ways. And as Tim shared with you, uh, you as a congregation said, yes, let's see what we can do to eliminate that debt. You did that through a survey and interviews that were taken. Now we want to be free to look forward what God has in our next steps uh, and what he continues to do in our ministry. Kind of giving us glimpses of what the future brings here on these grounds, uh, which is what we're talking about here today in Mark chapter 9. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 9. I think sometimes, even as we're catching glimpses of the future through this campaign that we're involved on, we're going to be looking to the past, but seeing what God's going to do in the future. That's what he does with his disciples here in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. It's as though he uh, takes his disciples... Um, up to a mountaintop experience. And while he's up there, he gives them a glimpse of what heaven will be like. He gives them kind of a glimpse of the future. And he pulls back kind of the Clark Kent uh, outfit that he has on to reveal the S that's underneath the Superman that he is. I saw a lot of kids in Superman outfits yesterday at costume carnival that was here on the grounds and out in neighborhoods. Um, Jesus says, take a look. Take a look of what it will be like. Take a look at where we are headed with this. And so Jesus gives him that the glimpse of the things to come. And so in Mark chapter 9, verse 2, here's what he says. He says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning 
what this rising from the dead might mean. Let's pray. God, I thank you for an opportunity to open up your word and be reminded of what you are doing in our midst. And even as we place one foot in the future of seeing what is to come, I pray that um, as you've placed the here and now in our lives, that we would also be reminded of what you will have us do to prepare for what is to come. So may your spirit be the one to teach and to lead and to guide today. May your Holy Spirit be in this place and lead us now. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm not sure if you ever get discouraged sometime in life. Maybe you're here today and there's been something that has gone on with your health that has been a little discouraging. Maybe it's something in your finances that's just kind of holding you back or thinking that you could do and you're not able to. And maybe a little bit discouraged just kind of settled upon you. Maybe it's something in your schooling and your studies that you felt like you had some things that you were working towards and maybe grades didn't turn out as well as they could or midterms didn't uh, take place as well as or grades that you thought you could have gotten. Maybe it's something in your job. Maybe you feel like today you are in a dead-end job and you don't know where that leads. Or perhaps it's something within your life situation. Maybe you're single and you desire to be married. Maybe you're married you desire to be single. Um, maybe it's a, maybe something in your marriage and that's why you're desiring to be single, that, that, that you're struggling with and you're having a difficult time in. When we get discouraged, it helps to have moments of seeing and catching glimpses of what could be or what will be. That kind of that just keeps you going. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples in this passage. Because I asked myself this last week, okay, why would Jesus bring just Peter, James, and John up to the mountaintop and have them experience this? I think he does it because he knew that those were the three who could handle this first and foremost. But he did it to give them kind of this motivating vision, to give them a sense of encouragement because it's easy to get discouraged. He knew that they weren't fully understanding and tracking with who Jesus was. I mean, just look back at chapter 8, and you can see how much they're missing things. In verse 17, Jesus is sharing some things, and Jesus flat out asks him, he says, do you not perceive and understand the things that I'm telling you? I mean, he just, his disciples just were not getting it. Verse 31, he's teaching them about what's going to happen and, and that he's going to be killed and rise again in three days. And in verse 32, he, he says, he, he tells them this plainly, but they weren't getting it. In fact, Peter pulled him aside. We talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about the shadow mission. And he said, oh, Jesus, you know, don't do this. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to, you know, he didn't understand what the cross was, but you don't have to suffer. And, and, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I, I mean, you're not taking me down the right path. He was not, the disciples, Peter specifically, was not contemplating at all what they were supposed to do and what this mission that Jesus was sharing with them was about. Verse 34, the, verse 35, talks about deny yourself, take up your cross. Those of you who lose your life, that's when you will save it. And so this was kind of complex for the disciples to understand. They just hadn't gotten it by this time. And so he gives them this, this kind of this vision volt. He, this, this jolt that he gives them, volt of energy into, into their lives, and kind of a spiritual Red Bull of sorts, and says, come on now, let's get this. And he, and he kind of gives them this renewed perspective. 
Because he knows when our, when our focus is revitalized, then our lives can change and they can take a different direction. And so in your outline today, I started off by saying, seeing God's 2020 vision for our lives. And I put in there, top point, I, I see God's vision when I realize, and here's the first thing Jesus is doing with him, that Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the game changer. Uh, if you watch any sporting event, be it football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, whatever it may be, you know that many times there'll be an athlete that comes into the play who is just a game changer, just changes the game, gives, gives revitalization, gives enthusiasm to what's taking place on the court or on the field and changes things. Jesus is reminding them, hey, let's not get too busy with all of life. Let's not get too busy with our priorities in other places. Remember who I am. Back to verse 2 and 3. It says, After six days, Jesus took him with him, Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could even bleach them. So, so Jesus takes the three disciples who were closest to him, Peter, James, and John, up onto this mountaintop experience to, to remind them who he was. And I say to remind them because in chapter 8, we see that he had just told them, and indeed in chapter 9, it talks about just even six days after he had just told them this. And so what he's kind of deciding here is, okay, I've, I've spoken to them, I've told them, I've shared this, they're just not getting it. How about now instead of telling them I'll show them. And so he does it a little bit differently. And the word there for transfigured, the Greek word, is the word metamorpho, which means to totally change your appearance, to change into another form. It's where we get the word metamorphosis, where you think most often about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And so Jesus draws his disciples out of the regular routine in life, and he brings them to his mountaintop experience because he wants to remind them who he is. I mean, that's why we come on Sunday mornings. With all the stuff that goes on this week, Francine shared about that in the song that we sang. I don't know what you walked in here with, but raise your eyes to God. See Him as the answer to all those things. Whatever questions you might have, whatever complexities in life, whatever uh, um, uh, discouragements you might come in, see Him as the answer. Raise your eyes to Him, and all these things will look differently when you lower your eyes and live in the world today. We need those kind of experiences to pull back and be reminded what is really most important in life. I mean, even when um, we look at the mission of First Baptist, and again, I, I just want to draw your attention kind of to this page, the first page in here. When we look at the mission of First Baptist and where God has First Baptist and where God is leading First Baptist, it, it, it's, it's, it's revitalizing to look at all the places where he's brought us already and been so faithful in doing that. You can see back in 1992, the Future Is Now campaign that we have. Some of you were here for that. Enlarged in our territory in 01. Future just got brighter now in 2004. And seeing the different things that have taken place, seeing kind of the spiritual giants that we have building on to be able to be in this place and be a part of where God has us right here and right now. And what also is encouraging 
Because you see a $6.5 million capital campaign price tag that we entered into in 2001. Honestly, over since 2001 until today, we have more realistically spent about eight and a half to nine million dollars worth of projects that have improved these properties so we can see life change happens. And when you think about that, the 3.3 kind of seems a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller of what we can continue to do here in, in plugging away and pushing forward of saying, God, where are you taking us? Because... This is not at all about a building. It's not at all about property or improving properties. It's all about the lives that are changed inside of these buildings. Amen? It's about the lives and the teaching and the life change that happens to people. The life change that then goes out into the city of Stockton and radiates and says, city of Stockton, see what God is doing here. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of people on the ground yesterday. So I walked through our buildings yesterday and through the campus. I, I, saw so, I saw way more people yesterday that I've never seen before and do not know on our grounds with the costume carnival that we had last night just praying for them that they return. Some of you may be here today because you came last night and you realize there are greater things and greater answers in life. We can never lose focus on that. It's about the vision of lives that are changed and taught and trained how to lead community groups in people's homes so we can go into neighborhoods and invite people to come into our homes. I mean, we have seen in our community groups people accept accept Christ as Lord and Savior for the very first time. We have seen people uh, on their knees praying and saying, God, you need to be Lord of my life. I need to have an eternal perspective bigger and greater than I have ever had before. We have seen in one of our groups, we have seen um, groups just stop and pray for people. People. And, and there was even a gal who gave a testimony that said, a year ago, my community group stopped and prayed for me. That was the day my spiritual bonds broke. That was the day that life change happened. That happened right there on your couch. That makes a difference. That's why we do what we do around here, so we can see God change people's lives. And we're in this series. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And I hope that he has enlightened us to the fact that we live with an eternal perspective, that things are so much bigger than just the here and now. Even though we need to pay attention to the here and now, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's reminding his disciples, greater things are to come, and you are going to be a part of that. But don't forget that you live in the here and the now. You know, um, some of you may have seen on the way in that we're doing the love boxes for the Thanksgiving outreach again. Uh, We're doing Thanksgiving a little differently here uh, in 2015 at First Baptist. Our Thanksgiving uh, team, outreach team, has come together, and they've asked the question, how do we help the most neediest people here in the city of Stockton? How do we help those who really need to get food and supplies at this Thanksgiving season? And so instead this year of going to Cleveland School and doing a large feeding like we've done the last four or five years, and we were at San Joaquin Elementary School years before that, um, what we've decided to do this year is to take those love boxes and to get them into the hands of people who we know really, really need those. And so Nate Voyer is a vice principal at one of our Stockton Unified School District schools, um, and he's contacted 
contacted a number of the school's administrators. And he said, you know, if we from First Baptist supply you with boxes filled with food, could you use those for some of the families in your schools? And they came back and said, absolutely, we could do that. In fact, I just talked to Nate again today. He said that many of the boxes that you were going to take and then bring in might be going to homeless families who, whose kids are in Stockton Unified or in transition from one place to another place. Uh, those school district principals know who most need those. And that's what we decided to do this year. And so we have a couple hundred boxes. Um, uh, you'll still be able to get them. I'm not sure if the 11 o'clock crowd will even be able to pick those up. But what we've done is we've provided those boxes with some certificates um, that show you how you can be uh, buying the supplies that go inside those boxes. Uh, and then for anybody who wants to do a little something more and those who don't get the boxes, we also have some cards that instruct you to go to Honey Baked Ham um, Company on, I think it's on Pacific Avenue. And you can purchase about a $10 gift certificate and put that in the box. We're going to put those in the box as well because what we're hoping is that that they just don't get some food supplies, but they'll be fed for a longer amount of period of time. We had someone on the committee say, hey, you know, you can give them these supplies and they'll use them in a a certain amount of time, but you give them a turkey. They will eat that entire week. And so that's what we want to do. We want to do a little bit differently where that food, we take those out, we take those boxes, and it gets into the hands of those who really need at this Thanksgiving time. And so while our series is called It All Goes Back in the Box, we're hoping we get to put some stuff in a box that will make some differences with people who really need it. But more than just food, that they will know there's some people here at 3535 North El Dorado Street, First Baptist Church, who love them, who care about them. And if they need help, they can come. That they will know even more than that, that there is a God who loves them and provides for them. That's what those boxes are going to give glory to. We want them to look to God and say, God, thank you for provisions through this. But he uses us. And so I hope on your way out that you will step into that and be a part of that. Um, Some have said, you know what, we're not doing the outreach like we normally do it. No, not this year. However, If you would like to still do an outreach, our breakfast club is doing it the Saturday before Thanksgiving, November 21st. And so we also have information at that table that you can go by and pick up that flyer of how you can still be a part of a big outreach that we're going to feed three to 400 people down in South Stockton. So I hope you'll take some steps on that. What we're called to here at First Baptist is to care for people. We're called to love them here in the city of Stockton, and we can never lose sight of that. And again, that's why Jesus took his disciples up the hill. He wanted to get them refocused. And let me just say this. If you are here today, And maybe in your heart you've lost some of that love, you've lost some of that care. Maybe you've lost some of that compassion that you're supposed to care with. I would encourage you this week to get to some place where you experience Jesus in a little different way. For some of you, you might just come on Sunday mornings and that's all you do throughout the week. You're missing out on so much of what God wants to do in your life if that's all you do. Come, yes, please. You're part of a family. You, you, you get this kind of more of a mountaintop experience here. But I pray during the week, you will find a place this week to have some sort of a personal retreat. Or maybe you will go pray in a different location than you normally do. Maybe if you're a parent, maybe, you know, take the evening out. Or, you know, dads, watch the kids, let the moms go out. Or the other way around. Or if you're a single mom or single dad, maybe, you know, swap some child care with another family that you know. Get out of your dorm. Get out of your apartment. Whatever it may be. Find a fresh location. 
Much like Jesus did with his disciples, he took them to a different place because oftentimes a fresh location develops a fresh perspective and it also develops a fresh perception of who God is. And he breathes something else into your life. You know, that's why we've valued missions for so long. Yes, we want to reach out when we do that, but you talk to anybody who goes on a mission trip around here, they come back changed. And so we have a trip right now. Charlie Hess is with a group in Nicaragua on a living water trip where they're drilling for water and hope to uh, uh, reach water and, and, and share the message that, okay, this is good, this is water, but let's tell you about the living water as well. And it's a great, great trip that they take. We have another trip going to the Mexico Orphanage in uh, just a couple of weeks, about 10 days from now. Um, and then, you know, we have other trips that are coming up in 2016. And if you've never been a part of one of those mission trips... I hope that you will seek out the meetings that we're having. There's another one, I believe, that's even listed in the announcements that you have today. And get a fresh perspective of what God is doing, not only here, but overseas and making a difference. Jesus is that game changer. And so he takes his disciples and says, okay, let me get you back focused on me. And the second thing he does, and I wrote this down, I said um, on there that uh, we see God's vision when we realize, the second point, what the kingdom is really about. What it really is about. Look at verse 4. It says, And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now get a hold of this. This is kind of my favorite part of the story here. This complete transfiguration appears um, uh, before Peter, James, and John. And then Moses and Elijah, they appear as well. And if you want to get into kind of some of the biblical hermeneutics of this, Moses would represent the symbolic old covenant that's been given, but then the promise of salvation that comes for us as well. And Elijah is there as kind of a preparer of, for the coming of the Messiah. And so that's the symbolic people who are up there. And Moses and Elijah and Jesus are all just chatting it up on the top of the mountain. I mean, it's almost like Jesus, you know, hadn't seen them in a while. He's like, hey, guys, how you doing? High five. Great. You know, man shake, man hug. And great. Good to see you. Missed you guys. How have you been doing? And then they're catching up on old times. And in the midst of this, Peter interrupts them. I mean, they got this mountaintop experience, you know, prophets of old, the dazzling white. Look at what Peter then says. Verse 5, Peter says to Jesus, hey, Rabbi, it, it's good that we are here. Is it not? This is fun. He says, um, uh, it's good that we are here. I lost it. Let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he didn't know what to say. For they were, what's the word there? They were terrified. Can I just say, if you ever encounter Jesus and Moses and Elijah... And you get a little terrified, don't say anything, all right? Just take it in. Just listen. Listen to what they're doing. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what God wants to say if you're standing in front of him that way. I mean, I'm reminded of the old proverb in Proverbs 17 where it says, better to let others think you're a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. Okay? I mean, I mean, that's a little bit of what Peter was going with. You know, he, he looks at me and says, hey, Jesus, let, let's build a house, right? Let, let's build a tent. Let's go camping. Let's construct something, which is a very manly thing to do, right? Let's build something. Let's camp out up here on this mountain. That's a good place to be. And God gets involved. 
uh-oh, verse 7, a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. What does it say there? Listen to him. Which I think is a Greek word for shh. Listen. God's reminding them. Listen for a moment. You know, he does that with me all the time. I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I have prayed and my prayers turn into me telling God things and telling him how he should act with what I'm now saying instead of just putting them before him and saying, okay, God, now you speak. Let me listen. And I want to encourage you on that. Again, this week, do things a little differently. Maybe when you wake up in the morning and you always turn on your radio or MP3 player or your television set, and it's on in the morning when you're getting ready, maybe just leave that off. Maybe on your way to work or wherever you drive early in the morning or in the afternoon, whatever it may be, maybe just even turn off the radio. Maybe it's talk radio, maybe it's Caleb or Air One or whatever, maybe, maybe just turn that off. Just look, take the white noise out of your week. And see where God speaks. Maybe, as I said, I challenged you before to get alone, to get kind of a different experience, a different place to pray. Get there and then just listen. There was a gentleman in our community group at our home uh, who I really respect and love his insight on things. He, as I was leading the group last week, said, Hey, Pastor Brett, can I just kind of give you guys a God moment that I had this week? I said, Absolutely. Love to hear those. He said, um, I often talk to God alone, or I, I talk to God out loud in the morning time. And uh, so he said, I woke up uh, yesterday and I said, Lord, would you just talk to me while I'm getting dressed? And he said, and then the thought crossed my mind to add as a friend. And so he said, hesitantly, I said, would you talk to me out loud, or would you talk to me while I'm getting dressed this morning? And he said, as a friend. Think about that. We come here with a holy reverence for God, absolutely. But he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak into your life as a friend would. And know that he is that close and he is that personal to you. And maybe that's a prayer you pray this week. Would you speak to me as a friend? He said he, he prayed that and didn't necessarily know why he prayed as a friend, but that was just laid upon his heart, and so he did so. And so he went and he took a shower and um, he put in his contacts, and he was getting ready. And then he said that he came, and he checked his phone. And his wife was actually in another city uh, that morning. But here's the text that she sent to him. She said, During my time this morning with the Lord, I asked God how he wants to encourage you today. And the Lord said, Tell him I want to walk in high places with him as a friend. Immediately picks up the phone and calls his wife. Says, all right, how'd you get this? She said, well, yeah, that, that's not even the end of the story. I, I was texting that to you, and, and then it was laid upon my heart to add those words at the end as a friend. You don't think we have a God who does that? Who, when you pray, listens to you? And when you pray, here's what's awesome. When you pray back God's word to him. Man, you watch, you watch, you watch miracles happen. You watch God get involved with what you are doing. 
Don't forget, though, to listen to him. Quiet, quiet. I mean, Peter got this message loud and clear. Listen to my son. So again, I want to challenge you. Get alone. Just listen to Jesus. Turn off the radio. Even, maybe even turn off the, the MP3 player, whatever. Even worship music maybe just for a day or two. Focus. Maybe just get your Bible. Get, get, a, get a pen and a paper and a journal. Just you and Jesus. Just together to listen. You know, um, let me ask you this. Let me stretch you just a little bit more on this thought. Um, Entering into a time like that, what would Jesus say to you if you gave him the chance and you listened to what he was really saying? See, some of you don't want to get to that place because you know what he's going to say, don't you? Think about it. I mean, some of you, yeah, okay, he's going to reveal this sin or he's going to, you know, this family situation that I know I should be taking care of. Or maybe you're running from something. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Why not pray to him as a friend? And as he would maybe speak to you as a friend. See, some of you probably even say, well, you know what, I don't even need to do that. I've never heard from God. My question back is, do you really want to hear from him? I mean, do you really want to hear what he has to say? I mean, really? Because why would he speak to you if you don't really want to hear it? So to take a moment, say, okay, God, I know I got some stuff I need to unload, and I know I'm not perfect with you, and I know I need to get this right. Thank you for Jesus being in my life that allows me to have a relationship with you. Now would you speak to me as a friend? See, see Peter, here's what's going on here. Peter was in a rush to fill the time and the space with words. And he was saying, hey, Jesus, this is a really good place. Love it being here. Let's just stay here. Let's build these three shelters. Let's, you know, share the good times. Let's just stay here, which, by the way, if you were here last week, that's kind of a little bit of a, a shadow mission. Let's just stay here in this place. Let's not do anything when I come down. Let's just stay up here. Those moments with God are meant to shine light on the moments to come. In fact, let me say it this way, because some people kind of... Um, uh, have some differences of, of thoughts of the high points in life and the mountaintop experience. Let me give you a little nugget of truth. What happens a lot of times is that we want to make the highs permanent. We want to make those mountaintop experiences to be permanent. And so we want to live on the mountaintop with enthusiasm instead of letting those moments put enthusiasm in our everyday lives. See the difference there? Don't expect to live up on the mountaintop. That's not where we live. Let those moments bring enthusiasm, bring vision, bring fresh life into where we live down in the valleys in the everyday living. Because many people will say, well, you know what? I, I miss all those feelings of closeness with God. Maybe you experienced it at a camp. Maybe you experienced that at you know, some really spiritual moments or prayer times. Something must be wrong. I'm not experiencing him like I used to. Instead of saying no. Those moments are a taste of what's to come. Those moments are God speaking into our lives of what will be. Because one day we'll be perfect. And one day we'll be on the mountaintop. And one day we will experience him face to face. But until that day, we continue to live, we continue to hear, we continue to listen. And let him speak. And until that day comes, we need to be reminded what the kingdom is really all about.
See, that's what the thrust of this 2020 campaign is, is that our resources would not continue to go to a bank, that our resources would continue to see things happen. And so in the middle fold, you see some of the imagined projects that we have on the lower left-hand or the lower right-hand side. $21,000 a month right now goes into debt service. Wise debt that we have incurred. Wise debt that has allowed ministry to do phenomenal things over the last 11 and a half years. But now we're saying, what could God do with those funds if we were able to put them into marriage and counseling ministry? If we were able to hire part-time a senior adult pastor? If we were able to build and finish the Mexico orphanage, which kids are coming, we're hoping and praying this summer that kids will be there. And then raising awareness for human trafficking. I'd love to share more about each of those, but that's what those desserts are for. And so as Tim encouraged you, that little postcard, many of you might have gotten it in the mail as well. Fill it out. Let us know you're coming. Drop it in the basket at the Next Step Center today. God is already doing wonderful things through this campaign, leading us to be free for the future and to see what he wants to do. I hope you'll be part of it. Continue to pray for that. Let me give you the last point as we're ending here. Last point, when I see God's vision is when I realize what the future really holds. What the future really holds with God. And that's what happens here as they come down off this mountain. It says, after God had just spoken and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Verse 8 through 10 says, And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So, that, so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Again, still confused, still didn't understand everything, didn't know what the rising from the dead really meant. But after Jesus was crucified and rose again, You have to believe Peter, James, and John could not shut up about it. You have to believe that they said, okay, disciples, we haven't said this yet, but dig this, watch this, look at what is going to come, look at what has happened. And in doing that, they were strengthened, they were encouraged by remembering what the future holds. And you know how I know that they did this, how they started sharing that message? Because a year or two before Peter was crucified, and Christian tradition teaches us that he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was good enough to die like his Lord and Savior died. A year before that, as an old man, he penned these words. It's at the bottom of your outline. It's up here on the screen as well. First, or 2 Peter 1.16. He wrote these words. He said, but we were eyewitnesses of his, of his what? of his majesty. We saw it when he was here on earth. And then he says, we ourselves even heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy what? On the holy mountain. We were there. We were on the mountaintop. And what he's saying to everyone who has read this for centuries to come, he's saying, remember, disciples, what we experienced. Remember what we saw. We will see that again. You will see that again someday. He's saying, I saw this. I know Mark wrote this. We saw this. And it's coming. It's coming. But until it comes... 
We continue to serve faithfully. We continue to give faithfully. We continue to do what God has laid upon our hearts. Last point I'll make is this. I was encouraged this last week to get an email from uh, one of our church members who um, was writing about some of the things that uh, they've been learning through the campaign. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box and the eternal perspective there. And uh, here's what they wrote. They said, my goal for when I die, for when my life goes back in the box, is for my body to be so worn out, so tired, so exhausted from doing God's work, that I look at God and say, I am so ready for my heavenly body because this one is done. Shouldn't we all live like that? Shouldn't we all be reminded that this body is, is just transient? It'll be gone. So let's use it for God's work and God's purpose. And when this body is worn out, when Jesus comes again, when our time is through, that we can look at him face to face and say, I have done everything I can, and now we join him. And this moment that Jesus had with his disciples will be our reality. Would you pray with me? God, we look forward to that day. We look forward to what you are going to do with our bodies, changing them like new, to be joined with you forever and forever through all of time. But God, until the day comes, may we be faithful. And I thank you so much for the faithfulness of those here at First Baptist Church of Stockton and for the place that you have us in 2015 on the cusp of brand new days, on the cusp of brand new vision. God, thank you for what has been accomplished through the building of this campus, these grounds back to the 50s, and the, the prayers and the foresight and wisdom to come here at that time. And now, Lord, to see new buildings take up and new buildings purchased and property that has been developed, all for life change. God, we don't look back on it all and champion our cause. We champion your cause, that these grounds are here to give witness and praise to what you have done and what you will continue to do. God, but we give you praise and glory for life change, for one person at a time who surrenders their lives to Jesus. And Father, today, I pray that each and every one of us have done that more, that this week as we listen to your voice, that this week as we make you more Lord of our lives, that we'll hear your voice, and we will listen as you speak. So we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you the freedom to do what you do in, your li- in our lives. For God, we are here on this mountaintop of sorts for this week to experience courage, to experience uh, encouragement for what is to come. May this week be a different week, though, because we have been here and because we hear your voice throughout the week. Jesus, speak. We worship you and love you. In your name we pray. Amen.